Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10, 15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Good morning. So I want to tell you a story about myself, um, and it's about my love for lunch, which some of you know. I love lunch. This is an understatement. I adore lunch. I look forward to lunch from the moment I wake up. Sometimes I start looking forward to lunch from when I go to bed the night before. The last thing that'll happen is I close my eyes, I'll say the Lord's Prayer, and then I think it is part of the Lord's grace to me that he will cause me to begin thinking about lunch, and I sleep so soundly at that point. If you want to go lunch, I'm up for that. I had a date for lunch this last Friday, and I was getting ready for lunch. I, um, I had arranged to go to lunch with some friends. I was very glad to be able to do that, and uh, my wife was going to join us. I said, hey, babe, when you get here, she was going to come meet me at the building. We were eating downtown. She said, I said, when you get here, just she's going to pull over into the overhang over here. I said, just, just honk your horn. And I will come down and we will go to lunch together. Another thread of this story you need to know is that uh, I had been working on a project. Um, it's this bulletin. And I don't normally do the bulletin. I don't normally do the bulletin. But this week uh, was a week that I needed to be the person to finish up and print the bullets, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. Um, but I was I was getting ready to do that. I was ready to hit print, except for I needed uh, a couple of more pieces in, of information. And um, one of them was that Chad was telling uh, was I was waiting on Chad to tell me who was going to do the welcome. If you have one of the paper ones, can you hold it up? Just hold it up because I see about who we're talking about. So a lot of you guys get it digitally from email, okay? But if you have a paper version and you look at the order of worship, you'll notice that when Chad called and told me that the Tuckers were going to be doing the call to worship this morning, that I was in the middle of typing Peyton's name, and I got to the first two letters of his name, and then the horn honked. I immediately, in the middle of Peyton's name, I ran, I, I immediately stood up and ran downstairs and went to lunch. And that's why the bulletin only says that the call to worship, the welcome was going to be done by pay today. Okay. That's how much I love lunch. That's how much I love lunch. Um. And that's also how much I appreciate and all of you should appreciate uh, the work that Star Pistol has done in putting our bulletin together. And uh, she has done a marvelous job of that and a lot of our other communications and administration stuff at the church. And Star has joined the ranks of the retired. She has decided she wants to spend more time uh, traveling to see uh, grandbabies and that sort of stuff. And we wish her all the best. If you see Star... Thank her for all the work that she's done at Central for the sake of the church. I want to tell you that especially after this week of having, uh, having picked up some of that, I am especially personally grateful to Star 
And I'm especially grateful, too, that this coming week, Jessica Ward is going to be joining our staff to take on uh, some of those duties that Star has had. So um, I, I believe Jessica is still traveling back from England. Is that right? I think she had some role in the coronation or something like that. Is that, is that correct? I don't know. Was she the lady in the blue? I don't know. Okay. At any rate, so Jessica will be joining us back this week and, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll be taking on those roles. So just, Hey, give both of those uh, women uh, thanks for the work that they've done. It's, it's an important part of uh, keeping our community informed about what's going on. I do like lunch. I want to go back to that. I know that you're surprised. Um, I like lunch, I think, more than most people. And I like, I like a pretty good bit of variety in my lunch. I, I um, have loved being back in the city and having uh, so many options, and I want, to, I want to try them all, okay? Um, and not everybody is necessarily like that. And we have a word for that. We say uh, th those folks are picky which is a funny expression in the English language. We don't say that they're selective. Uh, we don't say that they have narrow taste or um, that they are particularly inclined to eat their favorite foods. We say they're picky. Isn't that a funny word? Picky. That, that person, they're picky about what they like to eat. You know, and everybody, I guess, and maybe not everybody, but a lot of people go through phases in their life as young children where they are picky eaters. There was a time in my life where I thought none of my kids were going to want to ever order anything in a restaurant except for chicken tenders, right? So we would go to, we would, we would go to somewhere like Slim's or Zaxby's, and of course they would get uh, chicken tenders. Or we would, go, we would go to a Mexican restaurant. We would go to La Hacienda, and they would say, I want some chicken tenders. And I'd be like, what? I don't think that's a Mexican food. You know, like, can we branch out? Let's, let's, let's branch out a little bit. But, you, you know, ever, all of us fight that battle as we can. And you know what? It's okay. If you're one of those adults, and you know who you are, who are still in your adulthood, you just like what you like, and you don't really feel compelled to be branching out and going to the Vietnamese restaurant for lunch this afternoon, you're going to be fine going to, well, that's why we have 30 different restaurants in the city that serve nothing but chicken tenders, right? Because there, there's a market for that. There's a market for that. Go, be blessed, enjoy it. I mean, don't go, yeah, we're not done, but... You know, when we say the final amen, then, 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 you know, go for it. I don't care. But it's one thing to be picky with your lunch. And it's another thing to be picky with people. And when we talk about friendship and what it means to be people who have a high capacity for friendship and who enjoy the fruits of friendship, I think some of us might be a little bit too picky. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question, and I, I, I think it's worth considering this question. How many people are likable? In, in your world, if you just kind of think about the way that you think about people, what percentage of people in the world do you consider likable? Now, there are some people that are like the chicken tenders of humanity. Everybody likes them. 
Everybody likes them. It's easy, they're e they make it easy for you to like them, okay? And then there's other people that make it a little bit more challenging. Is that true? Is that fair? Can we say that? But I want to say with that, that whether you think this answer is 5% of the world or 95% of the world makes something of a difference in the way that you experience friendship in the world. What if we ask this question? This is sort of the default question, right? I don't, I have trouble making friends because I have trouble finding people that I really like. What if we ask the question in a different way? Instead of asking it as though it was a static thing just outside in the world, depending on whatever cosmic forces are there to bring you people that you like, what if we think about it like this? How good am I at liking people? Just flip that question around a little bit and take some agency and some ownership in the process. Maybe it's not that everybody else in the world isn't likable. Maybe we need to do some work in learning to like people. This is what, this is what I call the discipline of delight. I would encourage us as we think about what it means to be a people who really have a high capacity of friendship that part of what we need to do is practice finding delight in the things that make people unique. Practice finding delight in the things that uh, make people themselves and making them those, those unique factors that combine to make them who they are. And while I think it's totally fine to, you know, go to lunch, you know, 300 days a year and eat chicken tenders or, you know, a peanut butter sandwich or whatever it is that's your, you know, selective favorite thing. I'm telling you that if you only go through the world being able to find the joyful goodness of only two or three percent of the people in the world. then there is going to be a drought of friendship in your life. And that part of the discipline of that is learning to find those things, those quirky, odd, weird things that make people who they are and learning to appreciate it and delight in it. Practice finding delight in the things that make people unique and dare I say it, practice finding delight in the things that make people kind of weird. Hey, you know what? There's an alternate side of this. And part of it is that I'm, if we think about this as a community, if we think about being a community of people, not just one of us trying to do this on our own, but if we think of ourselves as being a community that is really good at learning to find delight in the things that make people a little bit unique and a little bit weird, if we find the, that we're a people that practices a broad understanding of what makes people likable, then it means that all of us can be a little less obsessed with whether we ourselves are likable or not. 
Because if we really believe that only, 90, only 5% of people in the world are really truly likable, then we begin to doubt that we're in that 5% too. And we begin to think that the problem with whether or not we find friends, we begin to really, really spend time wondering, does anybody really like me? Does anybody really see me for me? And is it okay to be me in the community of people? And all of a sudden, that becomes a much more serious question than where we're going to lunch, doesn't it? Because so many of us long, desperately long to belong to a community that will see us, that will receive us, and that will learn to like us. It seems like a low bar of satisfaction for humanity, but man, what a difference it makes when we find those people who like us for ourselves with all of the things that make us kind of weird. I know I've got a lot of those things. I've got a whole stack of things that make me kind of weird. From uh, the way that I compulsively giggle sometimes to the sound that it makes particularly. From the sorts of things that I do when I rush off to eat lunch to my, um, my system in life where I, subs my, I, did you know I have a t-shirt and a sock subscription? This is how I clothe myself every day. It's kind of weird, but I like it. It's me. And there are lots of little things like that. A lot of little things that make me quirky and make me weird. And you know what? I don't know how you feel about all that yet because I'm still kind of new here, but I don't know if any other way to be in a community than to just go ahead and be my quirky, weird self. I don't know, maybe there are preachers out there that try to hide all those things that are quirky and weird about themselves, those normal preacher types, whatever those are. But honestly, I've never been really that good at that. I've never been really good at pretending to be anybody other than the person that I really am. So that's what you get. But you know what? I have found that sometimes the willingness to be quirky and weird me can invite other people to be their quirky and weird selves too. And I may not be somebody that fits all the boxes of any kind of stereotype of a, what you know, a preacher is, but I'm really good at liking people. And I've found that when I show people that I like them, that I genuinely like them, I think there's something about that turns out sort of to be sort of likable too. Because I think in a community, if we can reach towards it, a community that practices as a discipline, finding delight in other people, I think it has a way of making a space where all of us can bring all of our weird and quirky selves to the room 
And isn't that eventually what we want? Isn't that what we want? I'm sorry, that sounded like a rhetorical question. Real question, isn't that what we want? Now, I know some of you are sitting there and saying, what kind of sermon is this? It's kind of weird, and you're getting it. What kind of theological point is, is this, after all? I mean, is there anywhere in Scripture that says I have to like people? The only reason that question is even possible is because we have somewhere along the way, and God help us, I don't know why we've done it, somewhere along the way, we have created a distinction between liking and loving. And Christians are the only people in the world that I know of that make so clear of a distinction so that we pretend that it's possible to love people without liking them. And I've heard that distinction a lot of times. Now, I'll say this. I think that I want to nuance this a little bit and say that I do think it is possible sometimes that we will have seasons where people, we find people less likable or whether we might say we find our own capacity to be where we're not in a space where we can like them very much because of something that's going on. But I want to say that I think that is a matter of time. And if what we really think is loving is something completely detached from actually liking people, I think we are just taking that theological obligation that we have to love the world and we are trying to wrap, we are wrestling those words so that they don't actually mean anything. If your habit is you don't like anybody, you don't love anybody either. That's the real truth. Because if you hold up things that make a barrier between you and somebody else in such a way that you forbid yourself from finding joy and delight in them, you're not truly and sincerely and authentically loving them in any way that actually makes a difference in the world. I mean, who among us would do it the other way around and say, you know what? I am so satisfied that I belong to a community of people that loves me so much. They don't like me at all. But I'm so glad that in Jesus, they love me. Would any of us be satisfied by that? And surely believe, we believe that the love that we are trying to develop and cultivate among us is something that is much better than that. If we push it into the theological direction, I think the question also becomes, we have already affirmed the reality that God loves us. God loves you, right? And we know theologically by the work of Jesus in saving us, we know that we can say, God loves you. Do you believe it? So here's the question. Do you believe that God likes you? Do you believe that God takes delight in you? 
Or we, have we convinced ourselves that the love of God is some sort of abstraction where God somehow feels compelled or obligated to take care of us, but he doesn't actually really like us that much? And I say, that is a distorted picture of the love of God. And my friends, the truth is that God loves you and that God also likes you and he takes great delight in you. God takes great joy in your presence. He likes being around you. He enjoys your company. He appreciates all the weird things that make you, you. God actually dearly likes you. Hear this verse from Ephesians, the fifth chapter, where Paul writes, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the love that we are trying to imitate from God is the love that we receive as God's dearly loved children, who God takes and sees as his very own. And the God who knows us as Father, who gives his life for our sake in in the Son, Jesus, That God is not doing that begrudgingly as though he had to, but he didn't really want to. No. The God who sees us and gathers us to his table as his children loves us with the sort of depth and authentic love that loves us likes us God wants us around isn't it too wonderful to believe and so if we believe that about God can we imagine a community that is formed around that same sort of thing that is formed around the idea of loving and liking deeply the weird strange people that God has brought us toward I know you can imagine it because the hints of that are already shining through in this strange church. This quirky, odd, weird gathering of people here at Central is exactly the kind of place as we grow and as we mature, we are becoming every every day a little bit more the kind of community that it is okay to come and be yourself in. Look, I think the people who come in, and, and if you're visiting with us, sorry to call you out, okay? But I think the people that come and visit with us I think sometimes people come and they're there and they say, I like that church. It's kind of weird, but I like it. I think I like it. And I say, those are the people that get us. (laughs) Because I don't see any desire here 
to be the sort of church that pretends to be one kind of image, that pretends to have one type of, I don't know, pretentious respectability about itself. No, let us be us in all our weird glory, in all the strange quirkiness that reflects the image of God. Because it is in all of those unusual, quirky, strange things that God is reflected, that God's lovingness and God's likingness is reflected in the world. Let us be a place that makes sense for people who are trying to find that community where people will receive them and not just love them abstractly from a distance, but who will wrap them up and embrace them with joy, who will show that they delight that they're there and they're around. A community that not just loves our neighbors, but it turns out a community that likes our neighbors too. I think this is part of what the gospel of Jesus looks like in our world. So I don't know. I don't know all of what that looks like in real life. But when I think about all the different things that I might use to describe Central Church, the one word that would almost never come up, whatever else we might be, we're not picky. We have a broad embrace of each other, a broad and rich welcoming of each other in the name of Jesus. And you have a place here. So again, my new friends, I don't mean to put the spotlight on you, but I want to, in the name of Jesus, welcome you to be a part of this little weird church. And I want to tell you that whatever we are trying to extend in all that, we are doing it because we first see it and know it and have received it from Jesus himself. And whatever love and welcome we are extending to you, we would want you to know that it comes from Jesus' own hand. God himself loves you. And God himself likes you and wants you to be a part of his people. If you have a need before the church today that you want to share and express and so that we can pray over you, or if you're in a place where you want to be not just a part of a people that will receive and love you, but to be a part of a people that will help you learn to love others too, we welcome you to come and share that with us as we stand and sing together.